Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our Good friends and sponsors at justthenews.com. We're also on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. Gary, um, here's my question. Obviously, this spy balloon will be the will be the motif of the show today. Oh, that old thing. Come on, Tom. I, I, this is what I don't get. China, I, I don't understand why we're so upset or undone by a spy balloon that transits the entire continental United States, the lower 48 and Alaska for five days. They've just killed a million Americans with a virus. We did nothing. Why are we surprised that they would send a balloon over? Well, it's a great point, Tom. Um, although, you know, the 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 logician, uh, the, the logic expert would say that um, Americans are still ambivalent about whether that's what happened with the virus. Um, you, and you know all the arguments and, and so forth. I mean, there's still very serious people to get paid uh, millions of dollars of our tax money who believe that uh, some guy in China ate a bat sandwich and that caused a million Americans to die. Um, but the balloon couldn't be ignored because it was a visual. And as we've seen over and over again, you know, if a body of a child washes up on a beach in Europe, suddenly all opposition to illegal migration ends. Because did you see the photo of the child on the beach? Uh, Likewise, you know, cops, there were two or three American cops, U.S. cops killed last night, severely wounded, whatever. Nothing. Yeah. That's the cream, honey. Just another day in America. But if you get a video of a horrible beating, we look at that and we go, what? That is that cannot be allowed. Right. So this is why, of course, they did not want the American people to know about the balloon. They knew that once the balloon, however, was seen by a guy in Montana that remembered he lived in the big sky state and actually looked up at the sky and said, what the Hades is that? Um, That we ended up then having an administration that had to take some kind of action. But, you know, your point is absolutely is absolutely correct. Tom, I was just thinking in the life of an average American, right? You get up in the morning. Let's say you live in Montana. You get up in the morning. You look out the window. There's a Chinese balloon flying over your country on the way to a very sensitive base. You sit down back at the, at the kitchen table where you're having breakfast and you turn to your kid. You want to tell her this is a big deal, but she's not paying any attention because she's on TikTok <laughs> where all of her personal information is being sent back to China. So you think to yourself, oh, geez, I got 
got to talk to my wife about this sometimes. Should the kids really be on TikTok? So you get into the car and you drive on the way to work and you're passing by Farmer Jones's farm. And it's not Farmer Jones's farm anymore. There's a sign outside that says the Shangfing Farming Complex <laughs> because farmland just close to your house is being built by the Chinese. And then you go into work and you work just incredible hours trying to scrape out a living so you can send your kids to a really good top 10 university in America where he can be exposed to the Confucius Institute manned by Chinese commies who are monitoring our universities. And then you think to yourself, gee, something doesn't quite seem right in America. If you watch or read big media, corporate media – Today, and of course, it's Tuesday that we are recording this uh, podcast. The front page of the New York Times today has a lead story followed by two subsequent stories on the jump pages outlining why this was a debacle, dot, 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 for China. Not for the U.S., for China, because it, quote, unquote, embarrassed President Xi. Now, wait a second. There were three huge objectives that China accomplished in the past week. They humiliated the U.S., first and foremost. They were able to detect, to test, rather, our ability to detect threats and to find holes in in our air defense warning systems. God knows what else they uncovered in a... A balloon whose specifications and sophisticated electronics we'll never know about because it's at the bottom of the ocean. I think most importantly, the Chinese were able to measure Biden's weakness in decision making twofold. First of all, he's incredibly indecisive. And secondly, when he does decide, the decisions are almost always wrong. China knew damned well what it was doing. It pushes harder and harder against us because it knows that we're weak and will more likely than not back down. Um, and they're right. Now, shooting the thing down, remember, from last Tuesday until Saturday, when it was originally discovered, because it, of course, was so secret that you could see it with the naked eye from the ground, uh, our response was, well, now, shooting it down might be aggressive. It would mean taking a stand. It would mean that our leadership uh, at least pretended to defend our sovereignty. So that's a no-go. That's our defense posture. We wait until the running back is in the end zone to tackle him. Now, in the NFL, that's a penalty um, in addition to being a touchdown. But for the DOD, apparently, that's the rule of the game. Then we'll send the PLA, the Chinese People's Liberation Army, a note telling them that we're very angry and threatening at the end of that note that we might send them another note telling them just how angry we really are. Not only, Gary, is this not a way that the world's leading power acts it's not the way the world's smallest country with the world's smallest level of self-respect would act. It was revealed yesterday there was a similar Chinese balloon that flew over a, a small patch of Colombia in South America. The Colombian Air Force was immediately scrambled. It left its airspace very quickly, but they would have shot it down. And So Colombia has greater self-respect and greater sense of the integrity of its sovereignty than does the United States of America. Tom, the entire uh, triad a defense system of the United States, submarine-based missiles, land-based ICBMs, 
and uh, and then bombers, long-range bombers that can deliver uh, a nuclear payload. Uh, all of it is formidable, although there are serious questions about the upgrades. You know, we we haven't checked out and tested in, in any real way our ICBMs about, you know, would, are, are they all operational? Would, would everything work correctly? Whatever. But all of it is dependent on a chain of command that is able to make decisions quickly and give unthinkable orders. Plus, and this has always worried people, it depends on the people um, in charge of the submarines flying the bombers um, in those silo uh, control centers of actually following the orders and not becoming uh, suddenly having a you know, a crisis of the soul about whether they want to be the person that unleashes hell on the world and what, what, you know, what, you know, what will happen to my eternal life if I'm the guy standing before the throne that, you know, just killed three million people or whatever. Thankfully, the crew of the Enola Gay uh, had no such second thoughts before they nuked uh, a Japanese city, putting an end to World War II earlier and, and, with uh, perhaps hundreds of thousands of American lives saved uh, as a result. But uh, uh, look, no president, nobody wants to wake the president in the middle of the night, that nobody wants something to be happening that is so terrible that you look at your your other military guy and, and he looks at you and then somebody says, we need to wake the president. Um, because that means it's really bad, Right. Well, there's some reports that people didn't tell Donald Trump things during the night or during the day because he might go too far, right? Well, if you woke Biden in the middle of the night, the fear is— Or the middle of the day. Right. He won't do anything. Right. Uh, we, we're, look, we are, we are living in perilous times, Tom. Um, and there's a whole other issue here that we touch on. Uh, regularly, and I don't particularly want to get in today because I think this discussion deserves a lot more time. But this this infrastructure, the most powerful the world has ever seen, that we have put together to safeguard the most important and in some ways the only constitutional republic in the world, um, we trust them to keep us safe. And they are using that trust we have in them to restrict our liberties in multiple ways, cooperating with social media to monitor Americans, using national security and threats of terrorism to declare parents domestic terrorists, um, educating our troops with woke horse poop, uh, on and on it goes. So they're doing a real good job in many cases. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the average grunt. The average guy that joins the military to safeguard our country. But all too often, the leadership is doing a really great job at attacking our own liberties while telling us that we've got to give up more liberty in order for them to be able to protect us from foreign enemies. You, you know, as you and I well know, I uh, spent four years in the, uh, the Trump administration prior to 2017. China had spent... 35 years uh, living off the back of America's protective 
sea lane umbrella, its military umbrella, China's rise was midwifed by the United States. A lot of people ask, why doesn't China recognize that? Well, nobody wants to be um, indebted forever to a, uh, a country not their own. So after 35 years, Trump gets elected and the Chinese were flummoxed. Uh, They saw incredibly quickly a dramatic reversal of American decline. Upon taking office, President Trump immediately unleashed the military against ISIS, and within weeks, the caliphate was no more. Then, remember, he sent three, four dozen Tomahawk cruise missiles that destroyed what was left of the Syrian Air Force, and on and on it went for four years in 2020. Don't forget Soleimani, right? Yeah, exactly. Who, I was just going to say, killed in twi- in while tw- having dinner with Xi. That's right. And he leaned over to say to Xi, uh, I don't want you to be caught by surprise, but it'll be in the news in the morning, or maybe you'll even hear about it overnight. I just took out Soleimani. By the way, how are the shrimp? That's <laughs> that's right. Qasem Soleimani, of course, was the uh, commander of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and the number two leader of Iran. Um, and then everything changes in 2020. Thanks to the media cover-ups and big tech censorship, most Americans didn't know that they were voting for a compromised candidate. Gary, now we know, or you and I know, and those of us who read unfiltered media know, that the Biden families received tens of millions of dollars from Chinese business deals, and the Biden Center for Global Diplomacy, or whatever the heck it's called at the University of Pennsylvania, got $70 million from China. So the Chinese watch as Joe Biden is chased out of Afghanistan by ninth century Taliban uh, hoodlums. He leaves behind 80 plus billion dollars in advanced U.S. military equipment and abandons one of the most sophisticated and strategically located military facilities, the Bagram Air Base, uh, just leaves it. Now, what signal do you think that sends? And you top that off by what you just referenced, uh, the military leadership, our brass, Secretary of uh, Defense Lloyd Austin and our Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley, who presided over these debacles. They today, as we speak, still have their jobs and they're more focused on enforcing vax mandates and teaching critical race theory than they are in in preparing our military for the challenges of the future. And you wonder why he we have this uh, dramatically demoralized military collapsing uh, recruiting shortfalls. So again, why wouldn't China send a flotilla of spy balloons to check us out. Why wouldn't yeah, they? Mean, well, yeah, the, the, the shocking thing about all this, Tom, is not that China, communist China, acts in its own national interests with its number one goal in mind, which is to make China, communist China, number one, and, and the power that every other power has to wake up in the morning asking itself – what do I need to do today to stay on the right side of communist China? I still don't think, Tom, that the average American and certainly not the, the, the average elitist in America has any idea of how different the world will be that we will live in if it switches from being a world in which people, uh, other national leaders ask themselves, what do I have to do to stay on the right side of the United States and a world in which nas- uh, leaders of other nations ask themselves, uh, what do I need to do to stay on the on the right side of the mass murderers of uh, of communist China? The, the the fact that the American media, which is willing to go to the brink of a nuclear war with Putin in Ukraine, 
is so um, committed to sucking up to communist China, to making excuses for communist China, to, to ignore the evidence in front of their own eyes about what's going to happen. When you mentioned critical race theory in our military and so forth, remember famously or infamously uh, uh, thoroughly modern uh, General Milley uh, testifying before Congress was asked about uh, the uh, the emphasis in the military on uh, curriculum and so forth about white supremacy. I mean, you know, the military is famous for solving racial divisions. The, the, the military over the decades has been a living, breathing Martin Luther King in which race is the least important thing about you in the military. In the military, the only thing that matters is the uniform you wear and the United States patch that's on your arm. But we have people now that are intent on making race an issue in the military, and and the way they're doing it is hurting recruitment. It's causing more and more problems. So Millie says to the uh, the, the conservatives are questioning, I want to know about white supremacy. I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to get, you know, understand what is going on. I mean, obviously, this was something he really feels very emotional about. I'm wondering, Tom, as you know, and you'll know the name of the ethnic group. See, this is the difference between you and me. I know enough to be dangerous. You'll be able to fill in the blanks. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. There is a predominant ethnic uh, Chinese the Uyghurs. Uh, group. No, no, there's a predominant okay. Ethnic Chinese, the Han Chinese, Chinese. yeah, Han. The, the, right. They're a huge part of the population. They're ninety-two I mean, or ninety-three percent of the right. Chinese population. But they think they are superior to all other races, including other Chinese. Of course, yeah. that's why they're so inhumane in how they treat the Uyghurs and and others. So we have a power in the world that is getting stronger and stronger every day that believes in racial superiority and it's their race that they think is superior and they don't hide it. You get promoted in China by being, you get the upper jaws because you're a member of that Chinese ethnic group. Do you think thoroughly modern Millie is teaching our soldiers about that fact that the enemy sending balloons over us have to be a bunch of racists in addition to everything else. And they're racists with nuclear weapons. I mean, they've never needed an excuse or an internal incentive to upgrade their arsenals. Um, yet, you know, another example of American leftists sense that everything is related. Everything harkens back to, to uh, public image and uh, surface imagery, which explains why. And if you watch MSNBC, which I don't, but I saw some clips last night. This whole thing is being portrayed as a defeat or a setback for China, as though the Chinese care what Joe Scarborough or Mika Brzezinski think of them. It, it's this American-centric notion that they always accuse us of being the ugly Americans and uh, we're parochial and we're uh, provincial, when in fact it's them. They actually believe that the world revolves around our understanding of events and situations around the world, when in fact they could care less. They have contempt for our view of the world. They have contempt for our principles. They don't understand this on the left, and that's why 
we spent three days, not we, the administration spent three days aggressively trying to tamp down this story because what was important to them was Tony Blinken's visit to Beijing. They were willing. In fact, they preferred to allow this violation of our sovereignty to occur under our noses for as long as possible without detection so as to prevent the administration from having to revoke the approval for Tony Blinken to take this this mission to China as though the Chinese care. I got news for you, folks. I got news for you, Gary. Uh, They're not that into us anymore. The Chinese don't need us anymore. They've taken everything they can take from us. They've stolen everything. They've used the 40 years that we protected their trade routes to be Become the second most powerful economic force in the world. They're not obsessed with how we view them. Yeah, well, you know, Tom, I always want to remind folks of this because it really is important. Um, they everything you just described about how we basically enabled uh, China to move communist China to move out of. Uh, uh, of a, sta- a status of being almost in many, well, an underdeveloped country, uh, in some ways more like the third world than, than the first world. And um, our entire foreign policy establishment, uh, in cooperation with all, virtually all of America's economic elites, committed the worst example of malfeasance and foreign policy disaster, an economic disaster in the history of, I think, any nation in the world, in the name of free trade and the belief that freedom always beats stronger when somebody's bank account gets bigger, when I actually think it might be the exact opposite. But we convinced ourselves, and I I put in that list George W. Bush, the National Chamber of Commerce, the National Association of Manufacturers, uh, all kinds of business interests. Everybody, every businessman that dreamed as he went to bed at night that someday he would sell two billion Q-tips to one billion Chinese and live on the Riviera for the rest of his life ended up decimating our manufacturing base, which we're now told cannot build weapons fast enough for us even to keep up in Ukraine, let alone fight a major war with communist China, and lifted the Chinese communist people out of poverty uh, and enabled them to become the world power they are becoming today. And every day that passes, they are a more powerful world power than we are. Nobody has said, I'm sorry. Nobody has said, I made a mistake. The Chamber of Commerce has not held the press conference saying, we really screwed this up. George W. Bush, while he takes pot shots at populist conservatives, has never felt noble enough to go some, to some center, maybe the, maybe the Reagan Library, and say, you know, looking back on it, if I had one regret... It would be I was so committed to trade with communist China. I, I mean, I would I would uh, I, you know, I'm not expecting a note to me, even though I confronted him repeatedly in presidential debates, asked him why he thought it was the right thing to do to not trade with communist Cuba, 
because, as he said, we don't want to help the commies. Well, 10 minutes later, he was telling us in glowing terms all the benefits of trading with communist China. So it was a colossal mistake. It's why there is such cynicism around America, because the mistake is not just a mistake that has brought us to where we are now, where God knows what's going to happen now. But it's a mistake that resulted in literally millions of Americans' dreams being crushed as factories all over America closed and reopened in communist China in the name of free trade. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the podcast, the Bauer and Rose podcast at justthenews.com. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot, Channel 125. China's objective, they make no effort to hide their objective. Their objective is to sinocize the world, not to control every single human being and every country, but to make sure that they stand atop the pyramid and returning to uh, days of ancient imperial China to have all countries subservient, subordinate, and to pay tribute. The Chinese government understands that if it can prevent social dislocation, domestic threats to its own authority, it can leverage its spectacular economic growth that is enabled by us, um, into massive and multiple increases in defense spending. Frank Takata's got a great new book, don't worry, I'm not going to send it to you, not this week anyway, called China After Mao. Between 1987 and 2007, China's GDP increased 10 times. Now, its military spending in that same period increased 21 times. Ours stayed flat. Our economy grew at about... Um, uh, two and a half percent per year and our military spending stayed flat their military spending went from five billion to 150 billion and when we look at our numbers remember about two-thirds of our defense expenditures which is about 800 billion this year is for uh personnel costs retirement pension health care salaries the chinese don't need to worry about that so if you were to even it up, our defense spending is roughly parallel to what China's is. Only theirs is growing at a rapid, rapid rate, and ours is flat. And they have a standing army, obviously, just based on population. Now, I know all the brave now is to talk about how communist China is going to be in a population crunch, and the country's already beginning to experience it. Population crunch? My goodness, our birth rate has been rock bottom for a decade and is getting even worse. And we can't fill the ranks now. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, Tom, on, on, by any measurement, I mean, we've, you know, our, our children, Carol and I have three adult kids, as you know, they're, they're all wonderful uh, uh, young adults and, and they're doing the great things. Uh, uh, and we have seven uh, grandchildren. I, I'm scared to death about what kind of world those grandchildren are going to be in because the, the correlation of forces, as it used to be called, is, is not looking good. You know, um, who's the fellow? Is he Chinese uh, expert, Shang? Um, Gordon Shang? Gordon Shang. Really, really smart guy, very serious man. Uh, not not want to exaggeration. He's been uh, sounding the alarm about communist China uh, for years. And he said um, a few weeks ago, um, and, and I found it kind of shocking. He said it, it is a mistake to think that when uh, communist China moves on Taiwan, that they will only move on Taiwan. He proposed or he suggests that they will move on Taiwan and at the same time attack Japanese islands that the U.S. would use to launch planes and other military assets, might also even attack Hawaii at the same time that they're conducting uh, uh, electronic attacks on America's infrastructure, etc. If they make the move, it's not going to be half measures like us. You know, we we thought it was a big deal when we were bombing the Hades out of uh, the capital of Iraq after we told them we were going to do it. And we were doing it at night when nobody was in the buildings. <laughs> I mean, because, sure. man, we wanted to show them how tough we were. No, it's a, it, uh, Gordon Chang makes a series of excellent points. China today is able to use uh, conventional satellites, swarms of miniature satellites, swarms of drones. They can network surface, undersea, and aerial carrying for real-time terminal guidance. They've got about 2,000 shore-based ballistic missile batteries. If they were going to go after Taiwan, they would need almost Japanese-style in 1941, they'd have to say, you know, the only way it's going to work is if we can neutralize U.S. Western Pacific forces. So surprise attacks, uh, subversive attacks, clandestine attacks against our naval facilities uh, throughout the region, um, you know, and then with the Western Pacific effectively cleared of American naval and air forces, uh, sufficient to protect or defend um, or even deter an invasion of our allies, uh, Taiwan is going to be forced, like Hong Kong, uh, to capitulate. That's that's the Chinese theory, and that's the Chinese defense strategy. And I have to say, um, assessing our leadership, uh, that's not a it's not an unreasonable or uh, wrong series of assessments. Yeah, Tom, can you imagine? Look, I, I mean, I think any president would have a, he- a moment of hesitation. Biden would have uh, probably a, a month of Sunday's hesitation. Um, w- presumably, the U.S. military would be able, through our spy satellites and other intelligence gathering vehicles, uh, be able to notice or see the movement of forces that would signal they're getting ready to make their move. Presumably, then we would go in and ask the president to wake up, whether it's night or day, so we can brief him. And the president presumably will say, 
Okay, well, if we um, apply our forces, uh, tell me what you think is going to happen. What's this going to look like? And they're going to have to say to him, well, Mr. President, we, we think we can prevail, but it's very likely that we will lose one, perhaps two aircraft carriers, each with 5,000 sailors and airmen on them. $20 billion uh, a pop. Uh, uh, so, sir, you have to be prepared for that. Can you imagine Joe Biden and the team of neo-Marxists at the White House sitting there going, well, OK, now, what does that do to the electoral map? Uh, we were able to cheat our way through another election. If the American people are reading headlines that say 10,000 U.S. sailors dead, two aircraft carriers sunk in the Straits of uh, Taiwan. You know, I mean, it's going to be a disaster. That's why the goal of any American president should be to be so tough, so committed, so unambivalent that they never try it. But we, of course, are doing the exact opposite. And Tom, by the way, as you alluded to, you know, a lot of people today, and unfortunately not enough, say, ah, where's that made, honey? Don't it, but I don't want to buy that toaster if it's made in China. You know, there's enough going on. Just we shouldn't buy stuff made in China. Well, guess what, folks? You bought a president made in China. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line. This weekend I was uh, – we were uh, – just looking over things in the house uh, to see what was made in China. And I am embarrassed to tell you everything is made. I mean, my stapler was made in China. My, my printer was made in China. We had lamps that, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. Now imagine if we hadn't stopped and this was Obama, not, not Biden, although Biden was there. If we hadn't stopped production of the F-22 with its, you know, 2,000 mile unsurpassed range, we might have been able to protect airspace over Taiwan, even with our naval weaknesses. Um, And you have to wonder what Japan, which now wants a much stronger military, Australia, New Zealand and Korea are going to see as a need to perhaps make their own peace with uh, with China and to avoid becoming outright vassals of the People's Republic. They, they're going to want to strike their own bargains um, with their contribution being to push for the removal of U.S. bases and facilities. That's not where we are today. As a matter of fact, before his, his Beijing trip uh, was canceled by the unfortunate balloon incident that, that has humiliated uh, Chairman Xi and just demonstrated how, how wonderful and open and transparent we are, uh, Defense Secretary Austin and Secretary Blinken were in the Philippines signing new basing agreements, but you have to wonder how long that's going to last. They look around and they see what Henry Kissinger once described as the curse of American power. It's uh, dangerous to be America's enemy, but it's more dangerous to be America's friend. Mm. That's that's a great observation, Tom. Um, yeah, you know, I, I saw something the other day, and I, I think this is probably true, but it's not, it's not the only thing that has to happen. But Japan really is uh, key to this. They're, they're a wealthy nation. Uh, they, they've, um, they haven't built their military up to the level it needs to be because of a little thing called World War II. 
and there were all kinds of restrictions on them. The rest of the world did not want to see uh, remilitarized Japan, plus there were restrictions about nuclear weapons and so forth. But if they, I mean, in, in the times of wasting, right, we, <laughs> there's several people now that have come out in recent weeks saying we, maybe we've got two to four years. It might already be too late. But the Japanese, anybody else that cares about this needs to be doing everything they can to upgrade their military equipment, their military assets as quickly as possible. And uh, and you know, the only chance we've got is an arc of defense extending from Japan, the assets we have there, you know, down in, into the, the South Pacific and so forth. Uh, you know, the uh, Guam, the other the other island uh, uh, assets that we have, the Philippines, uh, even in some ways, Indonesia, you know, Singapore, the, correct? Yeah, yeah, Singapore, Taiwan. That is the only thing that has a chance of of stopping this Chinese communist tidal wave that has its its ult- ultimate goal engulfing the world. None of which will make the slightest bit of a tinker's darn difference if we don't have the resolution to pursue our strategic interests. There's capability and there's will. We have the capability, at least I think we do, at least until today. The bigger and broader question is, do we have the will? Now, the great difference, the great gulf between left and right in America, and we talk about this multiple times a week on this podcast, is about how conservatives feel and how liberals feel about the nature of our own society, the nature of our own values. Liberals you know what, that's the wrong term. Left-wingers, liberals vote for left-wingers, but they don't see themselves as leftists, but they do the left's bidding. The left sees the country's history of injustice and oppression as the most significant things about us. Our evil, <clears throat> our uh, 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 the, the flawed nature of our past. By contrast, I think conservatives, I know I do, um, see our nation's story as a march of righting the wrongs of our past, the wrongs of our history. They see a nation, we see a nation, whose traditions, whose principles, and whose institutions granted more freedom to more people than any other in the history of the world, um, and more prosperity to more people than any in human society. And since the former... Trump the latter in terms of who controls the institutions of our society. I don't really know what difference it makes, how much power we have. We saw the fruits of that when Joe Biden leaves $80 billion of highly advanced, sophisticated American kit and equipment in the hands of ninth century medieval barbarians. Yeah, you know, Tom, for uh, for years, one of the uh, reasons uh, there was American isolationism, um, I mean, part of it was geographic. It, you know, it was easy to be an American and not have to worry about what was going on in Europe and Asia because you had two gigantic oceans and you could protect yourself. The, the, the wonders of globalism had not yet uh, become apparent uh, to everybody. But there was also a sense among Americans uh, that we were better than the world. Uh, and why get messed up in these uh, feuds and, uh, you know, century-old conflict between countries led by royalty and 
all the rest of it. We, we now are in a situation where, according to all the research, uh, young Americans are the least patriotic in the history of the United States. Meanwhile, even though we uh, talk about uh, demonstrations in communist China and we get all excited about it when people get tired of being locked up in their apartment buildings in the name of COVID, uh, nonetheless, there's a lot of evidence that Chinese youth, by and large, are on fire for communist China. Absolutely. They're taught to love their country, to, to, to uh, revere their past, to worship their ancestors. They're taught patriotism. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a it's not an accident that communist China, when it's um, uh, aggressive ambassadors that it has to several countries uh, or when some of its military leaders or its diplomats speak, they sound like they've just attended a seminar uh, in uh, critical race theory or in the Black Lives Matter movement. They will attack America for its history of racism and its bigotry and for its oppression. And we never respond in kind. We never respond in kind. In fact, Blinken in a number of meetings has said, well, we, we have had some problems in the past, but uh, we're, we're doing the best to clean it up. How dare he? He is representing the United States of America, and he's allowing people committing genocide to lecture us about human rights. My goodness, this administration ought to be out of office already. And if the media was doing its job and actually reporting truth instead of being the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, then maybe the electorate would be more awake. But, Tom, you know, there was time after Pearl Harbor for America to wake up. And even though there was time, we had a rugged eh, six to ten months after Pearl Harbor. Oh, we got our butts kicked until the end of 1942, the Operation Torch. We got our butts right. kicked all over. Yeah, it was. We're, we're not going to have that kind of time. We're not going to have it this round. So um, I, I think you make a really good uh, point. We do have to start spending better and smarter on defense spending. We've got to get officers that have a lot fewer medals, but a lot more understanding that they're there to win our wars, not to satisfy uh, the ACLU or the, elect the uh, editorial board of the New York Times. Uh, you know, I would hire a lot fewer officers that were uh, educated in America's Ivy League schools because they get the same indoctrination about America that all these other students get. But even if we do start doing all those things right, if we don't clean up what's happening in our schools and start teaching our children that they're living in the greatest country the world has ever seen, while acknowledging, like all countries, we've made mistakes, we've had problems, but compared to any other world power in the history of the world, any fair history would have to judge, as you said, this country with A-pluses for what it's done for humanity. Unless we start doing that, the correlation of forces, the number of ICBMs, the rest of it, it really isn't going to matter. There's no way I can top that. We're out of time. And it's good that we're out of time because I can't top that. That's the way we planned it, folks. We planned it so that Bauer can get his, what's the word, pre-distigitation pre or something like that? That um, I, I have no idea. Don't send me a book about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Have a great couple of days, folks. We'll catch you later. This is the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our friends at justthenews.com. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure and give us a rating. Uh, hit the subscribe button and refer us to friends and enemies. Have a great couple of days.